This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. It's our third of four NCAA opening round submissions as we look at the Friday morning slate, the Friday early slate. Now we don't have the result of the 11 seed play in uh, on Wednesday, so uh, we don't uh, know who Iowa State will play in. I did want to talk about that. Uh, generally speaking, though, I do like that play in team and the 11 seed. Uh, coming in, we've seen them actually favored in some of these where there was 11 with a six. Such a, a it's such a different stage and different media attention and playing on neutral sites and sometimes not exactly the most energized buildings because you have a lot of neutral fans uh, there. They kind of cheer as uh, action goes along. I'm, I'm favored. Those 11 seeds kind of got the jitters out of their system and uh, kind of more in the flow uh, of their game. Paul, do you agree first? Yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, we've seen teams, um, you know, that, that have made uh, runs out of that play-in game. I know uh, VCU and, and Shaka Smart, uh, you know, before he got the Texas job. And then uh, there's one more recent than that as well who uh, may be uh, George Mason. Did they come out of the, the play-in game and uh, way back when? But uh, – Yep. Bruce, so, uh, yeah, VC, I think the play in game, playing that game can give you an advantage. VCU. By the way, Bojorno, we've got Syria A in uh, Champions League ready to get, to get three spots in the quarterfinals. So if Inter Milan can beat Porto today or just draw, there you go. Um, Virginia Commonwealth, the year Shaka went to the Final Four, came out of the plan. They beat USC, I think, in the plan. So, there's been some teams that have made a run. I think Mason was like an 11 seed, but not in a play-in game when they did it back in 06. But uh, it's ha- I I kind of agree with you, Jimmy. I do think it's a good good thing to go look at these teams after they got a game under their belt. Because I do give strong consideration to first-half unders in the first round because it's just – I mean, there's some – it's just feeling out. I mean, it's just, I mean, there's some tentativeness. There is, you don't want to lose the game. And, uh, you know, some of these teams that want to really force the tempo and go up-tempo, I get that. Uh, but I uh, I mean, it's um, it's something that uh, I have uh, kind of uh, done. All right, let's get to the games. This is the first one on Friday, noon 15 Eastern time. Number seven seed, Michigan State, two and one thirty-seven and a half right now. Bet Rivers over the number 10 seed, USC. Paul? Yeah, you know, this is one of those games, Jimmy, that I look at. And, you know, I can't really 
get very excited about uh, making a case for either side. You know, this is not this is clearly not one of Tom Izzo's uh, better additions. I know we talk about Tom Izzo uh, in March and his team's historical performance in March Madness, but I'm just not sure this team has the pieces to capture that magic. Uh, you know, USC, uh, you know, they've got a decent resume. They beat UCLA at home uh, 77-64, uh, and that came just three weeks after they lost to the Bruins 60-58 to at Pauley Pavilion, uh, but they trailed in that game by 18 at the half and actually came back to lead in the final minute uh, before losing 60-58. Uh, to 58. So that shows you what uh, USC's ceiling can be. So, you know, something to be uh, impressed uh, by there as far as on the Trojan side of the ledger. But I just, uh, you know, again, I don't have a great feel for it. I- I'm certainly not interested in asking Michigan State to win by three to cash a ticket, and I think this will be a pass for me. Yeah, I uh, this is interesting because USC at times this year, uh, uh, Paul mentioned the UCLA games. That that game at Pauley Pavilion was really impressive because they came back. They allowed UCLA only uh, 16 points in the second half. But I think if we look at USC, and that was across town there. When they get outside of Los Angeles, uh, they, they did generally have some trouble, uh, more trouble. Uh, they need a big besides Morgan to play. And this means Vince Iwachuku, the freshman who took, he had that health scare back in, in the fall and he didn't even suit up until into January and he missed action last weekend. I'm not sure about his status here, uh, but if Iwachuku is not available, uh, I think yes, he's in a little bit of uh, trouble. Remember last year, in the last couple of years, they've had a, a lot of length, a lot of athleticism and some bigs who could do some things. Um, if Iwachuk was not there, that, that was part of the, the blueprint for this SC team. And if he's not there, uh, it ain't going to work. So I would probably lean to Tom Izzo here, uh, who was playing better down the stretch until they hit Ohio State in that Big Ten tournament. Yeah, they beat Ohio State uh, at home. Did not cover in that game, one of the last game of the regular season, but lost them to them by 10 in their first game in the Big Ten tournament. Um, guys, I'm going to tell you what. I had Michigan State when they shot 83% from three-point range for 40 minutes and could not win, could not cover the five-and-a-half at Iowa City. So I'm cured. I'm not taking Michigan. Bruce, good luck with the Spartans I, on that I, one. I, I erased that game from my memory, Jimmy, so I'll I, take your words for it. I know that's, <laughs> that's, that's what a veteran handicapper should do. I'm not there just yet. Paul, let's look at the next matchup. This is a 1240 Eastern tip-off. The number three seed, Xavier, out of the Big East, 11 and 151 and a half for the number 14 seed, Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State played on their home court in that uh, win against Liberty in the A-Sun final. Again, uh, a three versus 14 matchup. The 14s seem to be live, a little bit more lively. These numbers seem to be a little tighter than usual. Yeah, you know, Xavier, first of all, they're like a, a handful of teams uh, in the tournament in that they lost one of their top uh, scorers, Zach Fremantle, uh, at the end of January. Uh, he averaged a shade over 15 points a game. But the Musketeers, since they lost Fremantle, they're 8-4 and four straight up. They're 6-6 six and six against the spread. So it's fair to say that he's maybe had not a great effect on their overall performance. Uh, people close to the program say, you know, maybe they're not – quite as efficient offensively, but maybe a tad better defensively. So maybe not as significant of a loss as it might appear at first glance. You look at this Kennesaw State team, uh, their road to the NCAA tournament, uh, certainly improbable to say the least. They went 1-28 and 28 
in the 2019-2020 uh, season, followed that up with a 5-19 and 19 showing. Uh, now they're preparing uh, in year 2023 for their first ever appearance in the NCAA uh, tournament. So uh, you've got to be, uh, you know, you've got to feel good. This is what the tournament's about. Uh, schools like Kennesaw State uh, basically rising from the dead to make the tournament. Uh, but I'm not really uh, – I'm not a huge sucker for, for love stories and good stories and things like that <laughs> when it comes to my, you know, betting hard-earned uh, pre-tax money. So I'm going to – you know, I'm not going to take Xavier. If it gets a little bit higher, if it got to 12, I might take Kennesaw plus the double digits. But right now I'm not involved in this game. If it ticks up a little bit higher, uh, I might get on that Kennesaw bandwagon. Yeah, Kennesaw stayed with their first trip. And Bruce, two one-point wins in their conference tournament both by the score of 67-66 in the first round against Queens College and then in the final against Liberty. So, I mean, just barely scraping by to get into this field of 68. Yeah, well, you know, that's okay to have a little bit of that pixie dust, you know, uh, in, in, in March here. I I think fundamentally uh, they could char- they could uh, cause some problems for some teams and, and maybe even Xavier. Uh, uh, their guards, and Youngblood, by the way, is a very good combo guard there he can do a lot of different things but uh the owls get to the rim with their guards i mean they really can attack the bucket and we saw them do that constantly against uh, liberty in the finale of the a sun uh so i mean they, they can do some things with their guards there uh you know they played some uh, higher level teams in in pre-league play you know game in indiana and a couple of others they weren't embarrassed uh i think they're kind of live here I think they're, you know, Amir Abdul Rahim, what a job he's done. Paul mentioned where they were a few years ago. Uh, this is also, by the way, the only Georgia school that is in the dance. So good for the Owls there. And uh, I actually would take Kennesaw here. I think uh, maybe, I think they're kind of live. All right. Uh, let's go to the next one. 130 tip. Uh, Baylor, number three seed, 10 and a half, 143 and a half right now at Pet Rivers over the number 14 seed, Cal Santa Barbara. Cal Santa Barbara uh, avenging a home double-digit loss in the final against Fullerton State to advance to the field of 68. Baylor, it's, it's, it's hard to – I guess every team at some point in that rigorous Big 12, including the, the regular season champion, Kansas lost three in a row. So Baylor not the best of form coming into the field of 68, but is it something that we kill in, a, in, a, in coming from a league that's been so good this year? You know, from my perspective, it is, Jimmy. You know, first of all, you look back maybe just about a month ago and quite a few pundits were lauding Baylor as a, a possible number two seed and maybe even a, a fringe national title contender. Uh, but as you said, the, the Bears reside in the Big 12 and, you know, everybody's going to have that type of run. They come in having dropped four of their last five games uh, and, you know, maybe a little bit of a reason uh, for alarm. But of those four or five losses, all but one of those by double digits, uh, but their recent uh, struggles, you know, they don't finish the, uh, diminish the fact, rather, that they have uh, three, uh, a big-time guard trifecta of true freshmen, Keontae George, L.J. Cryer, and Adam Flagler. Uh, I don't think Cal Santa Barbara has that type of offense to, to match what Baylor can come up with. You know, I made this game 12, so I think there's a little uh, advantage, a little value taking Baylor uh, at minus 10.5 over a team that didn't face a single top 50 team all season. Every time Baylor played a conference game, they were playing a top 50 you know, right. a team. So that, that's a little bit uh, 
you know, of a distinction between uh, these two uh, squads as far as the class difference. And that class difference uh, is immense, in my opinion. And I'll take the Bears to win this game by 11 or more. I like Baylor. Yeah, well, interesting uh, spot in those four losses, too. Uh, the first two were back-to-back games in the state of Kansas, at Kansas and at Kansas State. And the last two were against the same team, both against Iowa State. Now, they did a better job against its zone in the conference tournament game, but still lost 78-72. Bruce Baylor, 10 and a half, 143 and a half. I, uh, I, I, I have been thinking there's going to be a team or two out of the Big 12 uh, that might end up being victimized by this meat grinder that they went through this whole season with tough games night after night after night. That can wear a team out uh, because there really weren't any breathers in, in the Big 12. And uh, Baylor looked a little wobbly to me at the uh, end of the season. Uh, their guards are a little bit undersized, uh, although George is is the man. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a, a special player, though he did have some injury problems late in the season. Uh, I don't think the bigs for Baylor is, are as good as they've been uh, in recent years. And I'd caution about Santa Barbara. I mean, two years ago, I mean, they were right there in the first round against Kansas, I believe. Uh, I watched them last week uh, down the street at the uh, Big West, and uh, they, they have some size. They have some guards who can shoot. I know it's a step up in class here, but sometimes, uh, you know, we, we've seen in the past a decent Big West team, and these guys have a track record in the tournament. They have not played all that bad. I actually think Baylor, I'm kind of fading Baylor right now, so this is not my favorite game of Friday, but a little bit to the those gauchos. All right, uh, let's look at the next one. Uh, Two o'clock Eastern tip on Friday. Uh, the number five seed, St. Mary's Gales, four and 122 and a half. Metrics had them higher than maybe uh, where the uh, NCAA uh, selection committee did. Uh, losing a couple of games uh, down the stretch. And here's VCU needed to win. And, boy, overcame a, uh, a nine-point halftime deficit against, a, uh, against um, Dayton in the, uh, in the final. And VCU is one of those mid-major programs that have won with a multitude of coaches. They are really, really tough. And also the 12-5s, 12s usually are the top mid-majors, according uh, as strong, the stronger ones as far as the selection committee is concerned. And the matchup issue here, St. Mary's, can they handle VCU's pressure? Because they looked a little bit rattled against BYU and Gonzaga's pressure. 4-122.5, Paul, is the number right now, St. Mary's. Yeah, VCU, they still play that uh, pressure defense. And both both these teams obviously rely heavily on their defense. So this could be a game where the, the first one to 60 uh, might be the team to move on to Sunday. Uh, you know, looking at it from the VCU perspective, they rank 17th, first of all, in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm, also ranking the top 35 nationally uh, in a couple of other key uh, statistical defensive categories uh, that being scoring defense, allowing just 62.9 points per game, also ranking the top 35 in effective uh, field goal percentage by their opponents and uh, also in uh, the um, two-point field goal defense percentage as well. Four points in this type of game, this style of matchup, you know, I, I think it's a, obviously a lot of points. Since the new year, since January 1st, it's a small sample size, but VCU has been cast as the betting underdog on three occasions, they've won all three of those games outright. I think they might do the same against a young St. Mary's squad 
uh, that coming to the uh, first round game, a St. Mary's squad that if you take VCU plus four, v, uh, St. Mary's has to win by five for you to lose the ticket. So I like VCU here plus four over St. Mary's. All right, Bruce. Uh, Paul going with the Rams. Uh, St. Mary's again, four one twenty two and a half right now at Bed Rivers. Yeah, I can't argue with with Paul. I think he might be right here. We saw uh, what happened in the uh, in the WCC tournament there when Gonzaga got underneath. Uh, St. Mary's there, and they really bothered them with some of that uh, pressure defense, picked them up three-quarters court. This is what VCU does. Uh, Mike Rhodes, he's uh, from the Shaka Smart Tree, and uh, Paul remembers Rhodes from down at Rice, I'm sure, and uh, he's kept that thing going at uh, at VCU. Slow pace here, though. Um, uh, St. Mary's, uh, WCC low, um, 63 uh, possessions per game. I mean, it's a very slow pace they play at. It's a little bit like uh, drawing a football analogy. Playing against St. Mary's is a little bit like playing against Air Force in football. I mean, you, you, this is a little bit different the way they do it. They run that offense so well. But if they turn the ball over any, and they could against this defense, I think they could have some problems. So I, I kind of agree with Paulie here. A, a little bit to VCU. I might even look under. I know it's not a, a big total, but I could see this game being played in the 50s and just coming down to the last shot. All right. Uh, St. Mary's and VCU both on VCU. Next game on Friday, 245 tip Eastern. Number two, Marquette, 10.5, 145 against the 15 seed, Vermont. Might be a little short, and I think a lot of these numbers are a little bit short. We talked to some of our our sportsbook managers, including Troy Macker at Bed Rivers, and it says it's not even close how much more the betting public bets on the underdogs in the first round of the tournament. And, uh, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of people bet what they want. Here's Marquette, won the regular season uh, when they were picked to finish ninth preseason. Bruce, you did an excellent job. You identified it. I, I think it was it was at Sunday game at Xavier. It was January 15th. He said Shaka's got a really good team. Well, they win the regular season. And since that loss, a close win, they won 14 of their last 15, only loss at UConn. So they win the conference tournament as well, pretty much in decisive fashion. Uh, UConn uh, was close. Uh, St. John's was close to him, rather. Uh, a couple of two-point wins, but really looked good uh, in the final against Xavier. Vermont is one of these teams in this year's tournament that's not exactly a stranger to the tournament as a lower seed. Again, Paul, we're looking at a 10.5-point spread, 145 the total. Yes, certainly Vermont, not uh, a stranger to the NCAA tournament. They seem to emerge out of the America East basically every season. But I'm not sure that this Catamount team uh, maybe measures up to some of its past teams. Uh, you know, you look at uh, uh, four uh, pack of games that they played before December 1st, they lost to these four teams by 20 or more points, those teams being St. Mary's, Iona, Yale, and Long Beach State. Uh, so they, uh, you know, got toasted pretty good by those four teams before they uh, moved into the friendlier confines of the America East. I'm typically not keen uh, on laying the lumber, you know, once the madness begins. But Shaka obviously has Marquette playing at a fast pace. He has them playing at a high level. And I still think the betting markets are not giving Marquette quite the respect that they deserve. I still think they've got the Golden Eagles slightly uh, undervalued. Marquette minus 10.5. I like Marquette. I think they're going to win this game by – a dozen or more points over Vermont. All right, Bruce. Uh, Paul with the endorsement of the Golden Eagles and Shaka Smart's uh, team there. 
Yeah, and I want to thank Paul for mentioning uh, one of my alma maters, Long Beach State. I knew we'd get mention of them somewhere in this, so uh, thank you, Paul, for bringing up the 49ers. Yes, they did beat uh, Vermont in some of those other games that Vermont lost earlier. You're right. They, this is a very consistent – you talk about a consistent uh, mid-major, low-major. Uh, John Becker stays there. I think he could probably jump to another job if he wants, but he, he apparently likes it there. In Bernie Sanders' hometown in Burlington – uh, Dylan Penn, transfer guard coming in from Bellarmine, has given them a little bit more zip in the backcourt. But, like you say, I have been on Marquette actually since that Baylor game, uh, which was right around Thanksgiving. Uh, Marquette took a couple of losses the first couple of weeks of the season, but once they started to click, I, I thought the Baylor game was as good as any team has looked this year. And they, uh, Shaka can run this offense through a couple of different guys. Uh, Tyler Kolick, a great little lefty point guard there, second nationally in assists, about eight per game. And 6'9", a guy, uh, Osa Igadoro at the high post there, a great passer for a big guy. Uh, this is one of the leading assist teams in the country. Uh, Cam Jones looks a little bit like a young Dwayne Wade. Uh, I think this is the best team in the country. And I will back them here. Uh, no knocks on Vermont. I just think you're running into a buzzsaw. And they, the game against uh, Xavier, that first half was as good as you'll see a team, as we've seen a team play thus far in March. Oh, yeah, they they, they smoked them uh, in that one. And you mentioned Kolick, too. Um, especially when the game gets tight and the game slows down, as the half-court said, he does a very good job either creating for himself or for his teammates. So really, really smart player in, uh, in guys. And how many, how many of those that can do that, especially when it's tight, the defense pick up, it's in the half-court set. He's very, very good at that. Next one, our second-to-last game on the Friday morning session. This is a 4 o'clock Eastern tip-off. Number 6C, Creighton. What a roller coaster ride they've been on. The Blue Jays out of Omaha. Five 148 and a half over the NC State Wolfpack. Wolfpack, one of the last teams to get in, Paul. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the roller coaster ride there in Omaha with the Creighton Blue Jays. Uh, this is a team, Creighton, they lost outright as the betting favorite seven times. So that's quite a few times to lose outright when you're the betting favorite seven times. And two of those losses, they were favored by double digits. So they were favored considerably. So I don't trust the Blue Jays uh, to win by half a dozen uh, over a quality opponent, uh, Power 5 opponent, even if NC State was perhaps the last team to get in the field. Uh, and I don't really want to back NC State either. They've got some injury concerns. Uh, the Wolfpack uh, stumbled down the stretch like a lot of these teams did. They lost three of their uh, most previous four games and two of those losses by 25 or, or more points. So the Wolfpack – they don't inspire great confidence either. So this is a, a pass for me. I'm not going to, uh, you know, go to the window, I don't think, in any case with either of these teams in this particular game. All right, Bruce, you have a side on this uh, Creighton-NC State game? Yeah, I, I might lean a little bit to Creighton. Uh, like Paul, I'm not sure I trust NC State. Um, Creighton, that a lot of those losses Creighton had in December, they lost six in a row in December. But Kalkbrenner, their center, missed several of those games. And this is a good example of what the selection committee will do. Um, they will sort of forgive a, a slump like that if a team was minus a key guy. If that guy, key guy comes back and they start winning again. So I think that's where, where, where Creighton is at. And even with a record like that, you'd think, well, maybe this is maybe a little bit high of a seed or too low of a seed for them at, at a six. 
But uh, they've been a little bit more consistent. I, the, the consistency thing bothers me about NC State. And those guards, when they're hot, when Turquavian's hot and Joyner came over from Ole Miss, they've been good. Burns, the big kid from uh, Winthrop. But they've been just too darned erratic. And, I, I mean, I haven't heard a good explanation why they let Clemson blow them out uh, twice in the last couple of weeks here. Something is a little bit wrong there with NC State. Uh, I think Creighton could make a run here. So uh, lean a little bit to the Blue Jays from Omaha. All right. Uh, in our final game of the more early session on uh, Friday, 4.30 uh, Eastern tip-off. Number four, UConn, 9.5-143 against Rick Patino in the Iona Gales at number 13. Big bet. I thought this was interesting yesterday. We've got early action, early action, but at Bet Rivers, um, 78% of the tickets on UConn, 95% of the money on Iona. Is Mattress or Mac hitting the Gales on Bet Rivers? I don't know. I mean, it is that is that is a pretty strong flip flop right there. This should be a very very interesting one. UConn outstanding start midseason uh, skids and then a pretty good finish down the stretch against Iona, who had had a much better team than they did last year. Got there as well. But had to get some guys healthy since they've been healthy. They've been steamrolling people in the MAAC. Yeah, I mean, you summed it up pretty good, Jimmy. I mean, I think uh, at Christmas time, uh, UConn, arguably the top team in the country. Uh, then they hit a lull, uh, losing six of eight. Uh, but they've certainly uh, regained their footing nicely. Uh, I think they have to be considered. I don't think this is any uh, great revelation, but they have to be considered one of the you know eight or so teams that has a legitimate chance at uh, cutting down the, the nets there in Houston in three weeks. Iona playing well. Obviously, they won these games in their league, but Iona currently on a 14-game winning streak. Difficult to gauge whether the talk of Rick Pitino perhaps taking the St. John's, uh, Texas Tech, or maybe some other job, difficult to gauge whether that has any effect on the Gales. So I don't really factor it in too much. I don't really have a strong opinion here. A great regional matchup. Uh, with a lot of local interest that the the committees come up with with here, and one of the things I certainly love about the tournament, uh, but no great opinion from a betting perspective. Bruce, uh, UConn uh, is uh, undefeated outside of the Big East. Um, they've only dropped one point spread decision, and that was by a half point against uh, Buffalo. And like Paul said, they were really rolling in November and December. And got all the way up to number two in the polls. Then they started to wobble a bit when you got into the Big East play. So this is my contention all year. The top of the Big East was a beast this season. And um, uh, that accounts, I think, for some of the struggles. But they put it together. They're a very tough matchup with a really ferocious post threat in Sonogo. But uh, Dan Hurley plays four out around spinning around Sonogo. And they really are a tough team to defend. Um, that game against Marquette in at Madison Square Garden last week, that looked like an Elite Eight sort of game. The intensity was off the charts. They're ready, and uh, they, they finished the season pretty well. And well, I, by the way, I think this is happening with Patino to St. John's. Oh, as soon too. as Iona is done, before the end of the tournament, we will see that uh, Patino is at St. John's. I don't know how that's going to impact the, the Gales, but I can't believe it's a positive. Yeah, I, he, he loves New York City. Uh, we will see. I'm on the Gales. Um, I don't think it'll be uh, too bad of a uh, – uh, uh, too much of a 
of a distraction here. And I mean, this is, you talk about a world of experience on the bench uh, in this tournament. Uh, the Iona Gales and Rick Patino, they certainly have it. So that'll conclude our Friday morning session, early session. We've got uh, one more to go. We'll look at the Friday PM. Again, all four of the different time quadrants, Thursday early, Thursday late, Friday morning or Friday early and Friday late. We've got all of them available on the uh, Bet Rivers uh, on the Bet Rivers Network on the Sports Betters Paradise. For Paul Stone, Paul Stone Sports, Bruce Marshall of the Gold Sheet. I'm Jimmy Otto, the Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.